And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Sai. And on a beautiful sunny day here in Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Kurt Dupuis. Is it beautiful today? It's 60 and sunny, not a cloud in the sky. Tough to be mad about that. That's true. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. Side, I want to throw something out at you. There's a lot of A-type personalities drawn to financial services, and I know a lot of the folks we work with pretty pretty A-type, which lends itself to being obsessed with things. We don't limp into much. And I want to tell you about something I'm a little obsessed about and get your take on it. Yeah. So, so we can call this segment, What Are You Obsessed About This Week? Because it, this obsession may only last this week. A buddy lent me an electric chainsaw. Oh, like wow. a battery powered 60 volt electric chainsaw. So I got to cut down some brush, which was great dirt therapy. But I've always been a combustible guy. But I'm wondering, like, like, are we at the point where this technology is legit? You see these advertised all the time, like electric lawnmowers, electric blowers, now chainsaws, apparently the electric. Have you ever messed with any of this? Well, first of all, let me just say it's sa- it sounds super satisfying to do work with a chainsaw. I don't know that I ever have. That must be- Oh, it's amazing therapy. It must be great, right? Yeah. Um. So will you tell me, how was the experience? Did it behave the way that you expected it to behave? You know, how, how did it operate? I would dare say it was better than a gas chainsaw, yeah. particularly for what I was doing, which was brush and not trees. So thinner branches, but a lot of them. It starts and stops like on a dime because it's electric. So that was awesome. And I, you know, I like to tinker. So I mean, I could cut like eight or ten inch branches with this thing. Nice. So for my purposes, it's ample, ample power. For people who are listening who don't or aren't really interested or to, and working around the house, they're probably like, what are these idiots talking about? But that sounds what else like- have you been doing during COVID if not working around the house? Yeah, <laughs> that, that sounds like the most satisfying thing. I'm not really handy, but I like love working around the yard and doing stuff like that. So that just sounds like heaven to me, what you're describing. I think I'm yeah, going to buy good. that. Yeah. You should. Uh, there, I've, I've used two electric things from this company now and both vastly surpassed my expectations because I just always had electric- I'm just a combustible guy. I grew up cutting grass and always had gas in the tank. Not, I love how not you some... call yourself a combustible guy. That's got, that's a good one. <laughs> Many meanings to that. Um, <laughs> so what's no, the brand? What was the brand? Did you say that? Green Works. Green Works. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So there's a plug for Green Works. A tiller and a chainsaw by this company, and they are pretty, pretty stellar. Yeah. Do you have a big yard down there in Atlanta? I got a third of an acre. Yeah. We've got small plots in Northern Cal, it's, but we've got a, I've got enough where it's like not too big, so it's just kind of just enough to handle. All right, you want to hear what I've been obsessed with? This is going to be coming out of the blue. Yeah. Um, cults. I've been obsessed <laughs> with cults. And oh, let me nice, tell you what I mean. Light topic. <laughs> yeah, cults. Never really been obsessed with cults. Have you seen this show, The Vow, on HBO? I have not. Okay. So uh, you and everyone in your audience need to go on HBO and start watching The Vow. It is awesome. So basically the background is this. There's this cult guy and obviously people that were in it didn't think that, you know, the people that were in it didn't think it was a cult. But one of the guys that joined was this filmmaker. He's a documentary filmmaker. And they brought him in to film 
because the cult was getting bad press. And so it was to bring in to show how good they were. Okay. But he actually ended up going, holy cow, this is crazy, and releasing this whole thing. And you are literally inside the belly of a cult. It is awesome. What's the show called? It's called The Vow. The, the Vow. V-O-W-E-L? No, no, Vow. V-O-W. The Vow. Oh, Vow. Vow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So check that out. That's really cool. I'm like three quarters away and I'm just like, I'm already depressed that it's going to be over and I'm not going to. Oh, that sounds like it'd be interesting. Am I wrong? Yeah. Is is it crazy to say that I'm almost jealous with how charismatic cult leaders are? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably not a right thing to say, but- like people love him. Like people that love him, love him. People that hate him, love him. It's like, they just have this supernatural power about him. You, you know, you can. Well, it's interesting. And you'll see, you know, there's, there's celebrities that are in this thing. And it's just, what you come away thinking is that, you know, everyone is just, is searching for stuff. No one is yeah. really content. And so if you Deep have some, human need, yeah, you have somebody that comes along that's like, Hey, I can make your life better. Uh, and you're charismatic. I mean, people are searching for that. So uh, it's really, really good. And then why I say cults with an S is I'm also reading one of, I just absolutely love this book. So a member of our community, Paul M, he's in San Francisco. Uh, I guess if you're in San Francisco, you probably know Paul. He's Everyone knows Paul. But um, I'm reading books on like um, on San Francisco, History of San Francisco, and there's this incredible book called Season of the Witch. And even if you don't live in San Francisco, it's that good of a book that you should read it. So it's essentially mm. like post-60 San Francisco after the summer of love concludes, like all this terrible, horrible stuff happens, start, you know, including Charles Manson and, and like all kinds of stuff that happens in the city. Um, it's crazy. And one of them was this guy, Jim Jones, who ends up, I guess I, it's not spoiling for anybody who wants to see it, but he was this cult leader that came in here, got involved in politics. Long story short, he ends up fleeing to South America with his flock and they end up all, uh, exiting the heaven together. Let's put it that way. So it's, so I, it just kind of struck me as I'm reading this book, and that's just a part of the book, but I was watching this Vow documentary about cults, then I'm reading this book about cults, and it's like, well, I'm spending a lot of time with with cults recently. So uh, both highly recommend really, really good stuff. If I see you start like chanting mantras soon, I'm going to have to call and give you a, you know, give you a gut check, make sure you're not falling into a cult. Yeah. And actually, wasn't there another one? There was another one on Netflix um, recently about David Koresh. Did there you see was. that one? I, I started watching it, didn't get into it. That's That that's one was I'm, great I'm, too. I'm was like, it? Oh, awesome. I'm like, Maybe I need to give it another try. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Let's jump into it. You want to get into the episode? Yeah, excited about this one. So we're going to talk about a big issue that everyone faces, and that's technology. So what we're going to do in today's show is kind of give a brief overview of this documentary called The Social Dilemma. You may have watched it. You've definitely heard people talking about it and talk about some of the ways that technology is really screwed up. But most importantly, because we like takeaways, we're going to talk about a really a couple of really cool resources that we found uh, that give you tools and equip you to take back technology and put it on your own terms. So that's what we're going to cover today. Yeah. And if we think back, um, for those who haven't listened to the episode with Jared Morris, go back and do it. And one of the things he talked about in that episode was about protecting your attention. And the most productive employees today are not necessarily the people that have had the best education and the best experience, are the people that are have the ability to protect their intention and focus on getting things done. Technologies 
whole focus now today is to grab like our attention is what they are selling to advertisers. That's that's, it. that's the product. That's their business model. And so, um, you know, we're not here to rant and say talk about the evils of Facebook. Uh, uh, I certainly have an opinion on that. But there's, that, there's plenty of outlets for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why? What? Definitely watch a social dilemma. But but the question is that you know the point is this is the the world we're living in. What can you do to be more productive next year? Like make this part of your plan. We're going to get meaningfully more productive as a business leader running these practices and as and as how we manage our employees. Yeah, and and it's especially pertinent now because we're still working from home. The vast majority of Americans are working from home. So we're we're actually surrounded by more technology on, on any given minute than we ever have before. So really timely. So there'll be a good discussion and again like some really cool takeaways that we should have at the end. Okay, great. So we're going to come back shortly and jump right into it. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. I want to set the scene. Uh, there's a organization called the Center for Humane Technology. My first interaction with this company was probably th- three years ago, where I I think it was an advertisement on TV or a commercial somewhere that really sparked my interest. And it's a guy reading a poem with a bunch of cool graphics and and, and whatever. So. I, you just have to Google it. It's called The Panda is Dancing, Time Well Spent. The it's Panda like a, is Dancing, Time Well Spent. Okay. We can hopefully figure out a way to maybe put this in the show notes and put, make it clickable for everybody. But it's a two-minute video of talking how technology could be better. Right? Rather than competing for our attention, it could help us to facilitate real-world human interactions that are, are valuable and and make us happier and make us better people. So I, I re- remember hearing about that organization, the Center for Humane Technology, a number of years ago by this little commercial poem thing that was very captivating. And so when I found out that they were behind the social dilemma, I was like, well, I, I have to watch this. And since we have a newborn, when I was watching it with my wife, she fell asleep a couple of times. So it's t- I've actually got the benefit of seeing it many times now and I've just really been taken back by how much control these companies have over our lives. So before I keep ranting, um, I want to I want to read a quote from Tristan Harris, who is one of the, the founders of the Center for Humane Technology. And then I want to get your take because I know you've watched Social Dilemma recently. So the quote is, the problem with humanity is we have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions and godlike technology. Wow. So you just watched this side. So what's what's your what's your take on social dilemma? It's hard not to look around in the world and 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 see, you know, a lot of the negative effects that some of these social media companies are having on on the world, uh, which are tangible. Um and I, yeah. and, I and and you know we're probably going to get into a point where where they where they're likely to be regulated, but then you go, okay, well, once that's regulated, then the the next one pops up, and it's like almost like you know Napster and Spotify, like at some it's almost like it's probably here to stay. But um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I'm troubled by misinformation that goes through these social networks. A, yeah. um, which and it's have, proven that, that that spreads faster than factual information, which is. 
I mean, how do you put the genie back in the bottle with that? That's clearly problematic. But also, I, th I think the big takeaway from the documentary was just what we said in the first part. Their, their whole focus is selling your attention. So we are the product. You know, we say, oh, we use Facebook for free. No, nothing's for free. We are the product. And what they're selling is our attention. So it is designed to keep you there longer. And if we can get more and more of your attention, then that space becomes more and more value to advertisers. Who cares what the effect is on, on society? And I guess you just put those two things together. You, you put in the misinformation and then you also talk about the negative effects of constantly staring at these social media sites. Yeah. The physiological um, aspects. It, yeah. It's it, there's, there's potential for, for, for immense harm here. And again, I, I promised I wouldn't ran and here I am doing it. I, I think all that, that aside, you know, the question is, okay, what do you actually do about it? And that's what we want to get into today. It's like, this is our world, but what can, knowing that that, is the case that even if you don't agree with us that it's or me that it's a negative impact to society, I'm sure you agree that you, that it's it's hurting productivity. So what can we actually do about that? Yeah, and that, that's that's what we're going to focus on is the productivity side because you you do have to net the good and the bad, right? There there have also been cases like. Of, of Facebook helping like match organ donors and find lost long. Uh, you know, they always use that example, and, don't they? That's the yeah, how Because it's, it's happened three times, but they use it as, an, as a great anecdote. Yeah. I think most people would agree, at least directionally, that technology, it's easy for technology to overwhelm our lives. So what we're going to get into is talking about how you take back control. So we each found a couple of uh, really good pieces that give really practical advice on that. So we're going to talk about that and share those ideas. So you want to go first, Ed? Yeah. So uh, mine is from Harvard Business Review. I looked at a few of them, but this one's five ways to counteract your smartphone addiction, which tends to be one of the big ones. And I'll just read through these five. And you tell me, Kurt, if you think that these are BS uh, or something that our community should use and us and us. I think this says something too that you're getting one from HBR, and I, I pulled up mine from Reddit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's that is yeah, good observation. True, I like true, this. not true. Okay, so this says use CC and reply all judiciously. Group emails, while helpful for team collaboration, are an increasingly problematic workplace distraction. When most messages could be directed to just one or two people rather than everyone, these chains start to feel oppressive, adding extraneous content to our already overflowing inboxes. Yay or nay? Love this one. Love it. Love this Absolutely. one because I hate being that guy, that CC'd. I have nothing to do with this conversation. And I just want someone to tell me what the final result at, at the end is. I don't need to be part of the, the 24 emails that go in between. But this is not exclusive to email. This is... Text messages have this same disruptive capability where you're actually not sharing any, any information. So whether it's text messages or or Snapchat or or email, like just be cognizant of who the audience is. A lot of people are at that point, especially financial professionals. They're like, I've got too many emails. I'll just look at them and choose the ones that I want. You know, get to a point where your inbox is manageable. How do you do that? You unsubscribe. You, when people reach out to you that you don't want, just say, Hey, listen, I'm in the process of 
trying to keep my inbox orderly. Don't take offense to it, but I don't want emails. Digressing to my coaching a little bit, a lot of times what we're trying to do in these businesses is make people more efficient. And sometimes what what I'll hear is, oh, let's just CC each other on the things that we're doing. That's not efficient. I, you know, I yeah. always push back on that because- It's not universally efficient. Yeah. Okay. So we, Kurt and I both uh, universally agree with item one. So let's get to item two. Recalibrate response time expectations. Not too long ago, people worked from nine to five after which they were done for the evening. Today, typical work days can stretch for nine hours in the office and far into the night, only to start again the moment we awake. When colleagues email, text, or message us in some other way, no matter the time, an immediate response is, in many cases, an unspoken expectation. I see you nodding, so I assume you're gonna agree. We've had some internal emails that we're both on where you send the response like, hey, I'll have this for you shortly. Don't send that response. Just send the response when you have the information readily available. That's right. I think what's important there is just what the point says is recalibrating response time expectations. And you got to be on the same page and not expect people to immediately turn around emails. If you're a team, how can you do this? I think where, where a good point to get to is if you're sending things after hours, make sure that they're really important. Like, don't just send anything. You know, there are times where we're going to need response times late at, late at night, but make those, you know, the exception and the important items rather than the rule. Well, I, th I think a good way to build this into a team is you have a scribe on the team that documents a certain topic that you can talk about at your weekly huddle. So those points get aggregated when everyone's together live in person or virtually, but at the same point, you, you can hammer through all of these questions or issues or topics rather than just having this never ending cascade of emails and just yeah. address them all at one bulk time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Next one. Take regular restorative breaks. The human brain is not designed to work for hours on end. We perform better when we take breaks. For example, in one study for more than 12,000 white collar employees, those who turned away from work for every, every 90 minutes reported 30% higher level of focus, 50% greater capacity to think creatively, and 46% higher level of health compared with peers who took no breaks or just one during the workday. But staring into a smartphone or browsing the internet doesn't really count. You see what they're getting. You're sitting there focusing on your work. All of a sudden, you take a break, and immediately the smartphone uh, comes open, and you're looking at emails, and you're reading articles. And hard habit to break, really hard habit to break. But what's your thought on that? Well, I always love those studies that come out of like France and Denmark of how like they're they're only working 30 hours a week, but yet somehow they're more productive than working 40. And I don't, you know, I don't know the the science or the, the empirical studies behind this, but but it, it it like it feels right, right? Like if you work, if you're having highly focused time that's more productive than less focused time, first of all, you only have you have capacity constraints there, but secondly, you'll get more done. I mean, how many times during COVID do you just step in your office and the whole day goes by and you think, what did I accomplish today? So we've talked about time blocking before and prioritizing uh, tasks and blocking off the time for those tasks. Like all, the, all that stuff is really important. And really at the end of the day, anything that says, yeah, I can work less and, and still do more, I'm, I'm, I'm in. The things that are jumping on my mind of how you would do this is the importance of things like exercise and meditation. And you know what can you do to to build into your schedule where you're not going to have the phone open during that time, you know? And maybe when you're exercising, I mean, I'm, I'm really bad at this. I, I always have my headphones in maybe, maybe once or twice a week when I'm doing that exercise, 
I don't plug the, the earphones in and I'm just on my own. Like, I guess building in time to the, your schedule where there's there's a time where it's just restorative and that means no cell phones. I just think about our grandparents having this conversation. It's like, wait, you have to block off time to like sit in nature and not yeah, have things in your ear. I I mean, it's, it's completely perverse to, to how they would probably see the world. And the next one, reclaim friend and family time. We need to stop letting technology interfere with our most important interpersonal interactions. It's hard to ignore your phone when it's sitting in front of you with news alerts and text messages constantly popping up. This actually gets right to the right to the the movie because even when you're not actively looking at it, it's designed to give you alerts to make you look at it. So yep. My advice is to designate areas where in an effort to facilitate better, more meaningful conversation with friends and family, personal devices simply aren't allowed. Your take. How do you handle that with your family? Do you have, do you have anything like that? The general rule is we don't have technology at the table. If there's something, you know, if there's a big football game on, there's uh, something like noteworthy, like we'll have it on and we, we make exceptions, there's always exceptions to the rules, but, but generally, yeah, dinner, dinner time is sacred. Same thing with like going out and friends and stuff at restaurants. It's like, keep your phone in your pocket. This, this is not hard. Yeah. I'm, pr- I'm pretty bad. Like if I'm sitting on the couch, relaxing, watching something with my wife and and she gets up to go do something, my phone immediately goes up and I start reading. That's that's where I'm bad about. All right, let's get back to the last one that they put, which is keeping technology out of the bedroom. As the day turns to dusk, your brain starts to release melatonin, the accumulation of which eventually helps put you to sleep. But according to research from the National Sleep Foundation and the Mayo Clinic, blue light from smartphones, tablets, or laptops slow that process. I did not know that. And also release cortisol, which signals your brain to become more alert. The result is less and more restless sleep. Wow. That's yeah. That's kind of so it makes, uh, a big deal. It makes your body create the exact opposite <laughs> chemicals that your body needs to go to sleep. That That's wild. Uh, I do not do this one. I have technology in the bedroom, but I know many folks that do, but I also feel like I sleep like a baby. So this isn't, a, I'm not a particularly triggered on this one. Yeah, I sleep pretty well, but I, I'll tell you, this is like, I failed every one of these so far. So I prefer, you know, opportunity for improvement, right? I think one of the guys says in the documentary, like the question now is not like whether you look at your phone first thing in the morning, it's whether you pee before or after you look at your phone, right? It's yeah, that's the phone right. has become so embedded into our lives. It's, I mean, how much time do you waste in the morning just looking at your phone and mindlessly scrolling? I've failed all of these, but I'm still a person that likes physical books. Do you use a Kindle? No, I, I, I can't get into reading on yeah. technology. I, I am I am analog in that. Well, that was the article with a few suggestions. Here's what I'm gonna I want for you all before Kirk gets into a couple of his suggestions. I want you to pick one or two of those, or say you're gonna do all of them, but we want to hear from you. Which one are you gonna do? Email us the whole truth at touchstonefunds.com or hit Kurt and I up individually and let us know which one of these you're gonna start doing. We would love to see our community taking some of these steps. I think it would be a huge benefit to to well being moving forward. So Kurt, you have a couple of things you want to share. Well, yeah. So this is directly from the Center for Humane Technology. So you can find it at humanetech.com forward slash take control. Just practical settings, practical apps to add, practical apps to remove to help take technology back. So the first one is notifications, right? These things are built to, hey, you haven't opened Facebook in a while. Let me trigger you with some notification. Turn those off. So that you are going in on these websites when you want to, not totally when they agree. want you to. 
the second thing is to remove toxic apps. So, you know, they give alternatives like you could remove Facebook and add an app called Signal so you can message with friends. You can remove TikTok and then video messages by direct text or with an app called Marco Polo. So there, it's almost like these like s- slim down apps that were created by people that just want simple technology that exist that run parallel to the apps that you are more commonly using. There's a number of helpful tools that you can also download. Like there's one called Flux that helps you get more sleep, removes blue light. There is an app called Moment that tracks all the time you spend. You want a real, I, I did this for a month a while back, uh, tracked my my usage of all these various apps. Uh, scary outcomes of that. So if you really want to dig in, it's it's like our par analysis, right? Like there's nowhere to hide. You see everything that you do on your phone and it's sometimes can be a bit overwhelming. Another thing I also see that's pretty popular right now is practicing mindfulness. And there's a, there's many apps on that. There's um, Insight Timer is one that they recommend on their website. Another big problem with all this is eliminating the outrage from your diet, right? We, we know that rage and anger, like as they wash over you, those are emotions that a lot of this tech is built to elicit because when you're raged about something, you're more likely to spend time on these platforms. And Oh my God. You ever, I mean, what comes to mind with that? Twitter? It is a cesspool, that place. Like, like have you ever done where like you want to- I love you, Twitter. <laughs> I want to see what certain people have to say. I've, I've uh, you know, especially around timely stuff, like market stuff, all this, or political stuff in the case of this election. Do you ever make the mistake of scrolling down and seeing the responses to that and getting down that rabbit hole and you're just like, oh man, like- You, you got to watch the comments. How do you, so you said you love Twitter. How do you, how are you avoiding being just totally bothered by that? Because it's just, it's pretty horrible actually. Only go to the comments at your peril, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not that they're yeah. taboo, but but just know what you're getting into. But you, I mean, you curate, you curate your own experience on Twitter by- who you follow. So I, I, what I love about Twitter is that people are hilarious on Twitter. So it's the comedy, even if it's a political angle or a sports angle, a lot of sports stuff I get on Twitter. But one of the things that's suggested from the humane technology is an app called I unfollow, which helps, helps you delete like toxic accounts that you have on Twitter. And there's a lot of things on this list that the Center for Humane Technology puts out there. I'll just name a couple of more that I think are really pertinent. One is follow voices you disagree with. You know, one of the big problems with technology and social media platforms is the echo chamber that um, everyone discusses. So I, I think that's practical advice. This is so there's two things that I'm going to do after us having this conversation. And this is one of them the suggestion to fully disconnect one day a week. That's going to be tough for me, but I think it's it's a struggle worth pursuing. And the other thing I'm doing is I'm I'm deleting Facebook from my phone. Nice. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna do both of those things. I don't I haven't seen value in Facebook in quite some time, but I think those are two proactive things I can do to start taking my own technology life back. Maybe this is the challenge to our audience. Maybe it's as we're building business plans for next year. I mean, we're sitting here at the end of 2020, so we're talking about 2021, but whenever you're listening to this podcast, maybe building into your business plan a section that talks about working more efficiently, addressing the CC and reply alls. And I'd make this into an even bigger thing of get your email under control. This is uh, one thing I was going to bring up earlier. Um, I subscribe to the zero inbox method. So my inbox is my to-do list. Yeah. Um, It's 
it's either something it's commentary I need to read through or something I need to respond to. Otherwise you file it away. That's great. Yeah. Get the email cleaned up. CC reply. I'll get ahead of that. Uh, recalibrating time expectations, protect that time where you're away from the office, the work-life balance. Make sure if there's communication outside of office hours that it really is stuff that's that can't wait. But other than that, let's let's value that time off. Regular breaks, making sure your team members are doing that without just sticking their face into their cell phones. You guys can you can commit this to each other. Friends and family time. You know, making sure the technology is not a big part of that, um, and keeping tech out of the bedroom. That was the things from the from the HBR article. Kurt described, you know, wanting to fully disconnect one day a week, even if it's not a full disconnect for you. Find the time where you're going to do it, even if it's not a full day. Turning notifications off, removing toxic applications, using mindfulness apps. That's actually using technology in a way to better benefit you. And the last one is following voices that you disagree with to avoid those information ecosystems that we know, um, you know, potentially could limit your worldview. So that's a pretty long list, Kurt, but I think that's the message to the audience is pick a few of these out and build it into your team plans. Is that, is that a good takeaway? Yeah. We're talking about how to limit technology to take our lives back, but I think next year we need to do some research on flipping the script, what technology actually actually enables you to run a better, more efficient practice yeah, to streamline communication. Life, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think there's a conversation to, to be had around that as well. Awesome. Thanks everyone. We're going to go to our Costanza corner now. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. And welcome back to the Costanza corner where I think we've got really good news for everybody that should leave, put everyone on a, on yeah, a maybe. Note. Maybe this dates the episode. I don't know, but we're going to celebrate it anyways. It is um, the middle of November 2020 as we're recording this, and it was just released that um, a vaccine for COVID-19 is about to come out via Pfizer. There's also one other therapeutic that's coming out that's equally effective, but we just want to celebrate that news. It hasn't been Still a lot of hurdles to get over. You know, we're still the people that- that, that get this done and, and Pfizer, uh, Pfizer coming up huge. So I just want to celebrate that today. There's light at the end of the tunnel. We don't, we don't know how, how much light, how long the tunnel is. We don't ha- have a lot of specifics around it, but we have light at the end of the tunnel. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. You can find the whole truth and subscribe for free on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it. If you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple podcasts, it helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. All one word. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC.